Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. The nominees for performance by an actress in a leading role are Keisha Castle Hughes in Whale Rider, Diane Keaton in Something's Gotta Give, Samantha Morton in In America, Charlize Theron in Monster, Naomi Watts in 21 Grams. And the Oscar goes to... Charlize Theron from Oscar. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 2004 ceremony year win for Charlize Theron for the movie Monster. This is probably one of my favorite performances. I've actually never really seen many of these nominees. Uh, these nominated performances before, so this year was actually a treat. Um, today I am joined by one of my very close friends. Um, he is a radio host in Kingston, Ontario on 104.3 Fresh Radio. He also uh, was in a series called Obsessed to Death on Tubi TV, which is actually number one on Tubi in the United States. And uh, I think that if you can't find Tubi, you might be able to find the link on YouTube. Hint, hint. Uh, it's Jesse Reynolds. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> Hi. I'm so excited to be doing this. Finally, we got a good year too. I know. I'm so glad that you picked this year because I hadn't really seen these movies before. But whenever I bring guests onto the podcast, I always like to know like why maybe they picked this year. So why did you pick Charlize Theron and Monster? Why why this year? Well, the early 2000s are a very um, special time for me. I liked the fashion, the hairstyles. And so I thought, why not the movies too? And so I was just looking for years that uh, hadn't been covered. And 2004 jumped right out at me because there's so many awesome movies. I couldn't believe you hadn't done this year yet. These There are certain years that I like to save. And I was waiting to do this one because this is kind of a big year and I wanted to save it for like somebody that I like very much. So yeah, <laughs> that's why, yeah, you're a winner, baby. <laughs> Thanks girl. Back at you. <laughs> so very quickly, I'm just going to mention during the 2004 Oscar ceremony. So best picture went to Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Best actor went to Sean Penn for Mystic River. Best supporting actor went to Tim Robbins for Mystic River. Best supporting actress went to Renee Zellweger for Cold Mountain. I discussed that episode uh, with, I believe my mother guest was Robert Watson that week. I can't, or was, I can't remember. I'll have to go back and check, but I remember I criticized Renee Zellweger's performance in Cold Mountain. And then I had the Renaissance Renee Zellweger <laughs> fan club come for me online it was very dramatic <laughs> and uh best director went to peter jackson for lord of the rings return of the king so wow um i'd never really seen like you know these movies before as i previously mentioned twice already um but there were some real gems in here there were some real surprises uh there were some real sort of upsets i feel like <laughs> um for me i mean we're obviously like we're gonna get into it yeah but i think for me the 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 most shocking of all of them, not in a bad way, was perhaps the movie 21 Grams with Naomi Watts. Okay. <laughs> because 
it's I, I thought the movie was going to be more of like a spiritual thing because I know it's about your your soul and I was expecting, but it's it's we'll get into it. But this year was very interesting, very diverse group of nominees. So um, the way that we're going to talk about this is in no particular order. It's usually just the order that I watch these movies in. So let's just jump right in. And the first movie that I want to talk about is uh, Keisha Castle Hughes for the movie Whale Rider. Mm. And um, I had never seen this movie before. So Whale Rider, very quickly, is a movie about a Maori tribe that came from Hawaii and now lives in um, New Zealand. And in their tribe, the tradition is that the eldest son of the Whale Rider will become the leader of the tribe. The problem is that they only have a daughter uh, who is Keisha Castle Hughes. Her character is uh, Pai Kea, but I think they just call her Pai for short in this movie. And of course, because it's a patriarchal tribe, um, the conflict is basically that a woman is trying to um, fulfill her destiny of being the leader of the tribe. But because of like a thousand years worth of tradition, uh, the grandfather refuses because her own father, Pai, uh, Pai Kea's father, like basically ditched his role and he lives in Germany or something. So she, the weight of the tribe sort of falls on her shoulders. And because she's a girl, well, you know, we can't do that. And that's yeah. ultimately what the conflict in the movie is. And she eventually rides a whale and all happy moments <laughs> and good feelings. Oh, Quite by the way, the don't end. be afraid of spoilers. Don't be afraid of spoilers because as far as I'm okay. concerned, it's a, they had 20 years, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to watch these movies. So they haven't yeah. watched it yet. It's your own fault. They probably wouldn't know what we're talking about then anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, had you seen this movie before and what did you think? No, so it's funny. You and I actually watched it the same day because I was choosing one to watch that day. And you said to me, I'm watching Whale Rider right now. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start with that one too. And a whale of a tale. But I loved <laughs> about it is that it might be the first sort of family movie I'd seen that wasn't so geared towards children or wasn't so like light and fluffy. <sighs> It was like mm -hmm. a heavy movie, but it still had some great family sort of lessons in it, if that makes sense. I think that is the best way to describe it. That is so true, because that's exactly how it, it almost had like spirited away vibes, like okay. that anime movie. Yeah. Um, where it's sort of like a kid's movie, but it also could appeal to adults at the same time, because there are a lot of like adult themes and but ultimately it is does kind of feel like a family movie at the same time yeah and i think that that's like a very as a director i feel like or as a storyteller i think that that's like a very safe thing to do because you have like a wide audience appeal that's right. um but this being said though i'm just going to list off some facts before we get into keisha castle hughes um performance specifically so at the sag award she actually went supporting at the time uh when she was nominated at 13 years old keisha castle hughes was the youngest nominee for best actress but she has since been surpassed by quivangene wallace who was nominated at nine years old for beasts of the southern wild interesting fact about that the same year that the youngest best actress ever to be nominated um at nine uh in the same year the oldest person to ever be nominated uh, for Best Actress was Emmanuel Riva for the movie Amour at 85. Wow. Uh, yes. Uh, so this movie, this film is about um, Pai Kea doing traditional Maori things where women were not supposed to do, like sitting in the canoe and um, fighting. So the cast and crew actually had to perform special Maori chants to ward off um, bad, like, 
traditional bad luck that might arise from Keisha Castle Hughes doing these things. So yeah. like in the movie, they're trying to be like, no, it's okay. But like in real life, they're like, it's not. And uh, she said, this is just another random fact I thought was interesting. Keisha Castle Hughes said that she could swim, uh, but when it came to filming, uh, she actually couldn't. <laughs> and oh, they had really? to get a stunt double. Yeah, they had to get a stunt double to do all of the swimming scenes. Oh, wow. And at the end, there's quite a swimming scene. That's wow. I had no idea. Yeah. So it's, it's not her. Um, It's so interesting to me though. um, Just whenever you see like a, a 12 year old, 13 year old, whatever in like a, a a acting in a movie and just absolutely nailing it. And here's the thing. I don't necessarily know if there was like this big, like emotional range for the character, but I will say that she carries the picture with this sort of quiet, expressionless performance in a way that's often very familiar to me with foreign language films as we talked about this whenever we were watching um uh uh roma and uh i find that even though there's not this big emotional range from her you she is carrying the picture Mm -hmm. very very well and you are rooting for her character yeah, that's a great way to put it. Like, I found she was very subtle, but like when she did emote, it really came through in her face. Like, I found I, there was a few moments that I didn't write down like the times or anything, but I caught these like subtle expressions that were just so, so powerful, but so small. And I'm not, that's why she won because they picked mm-hmm. up on her acting when she wasn't speaking or even being spoken to. She was just using her face. And that's what impressed me about her because she was so young at the time. Well, exactly. And that's another thing that you do have to consider is that like when we were that age, like a century ago, yeah, right. don't don't you dare say how long (laughs) I've been, you know, I've been thinking about that. I'm like, you know, cause like, you know, I'm in my early thirties and it's like, no one tells you that like in your early thirties that like, like I'm 33 and like, no one told me that according to the gay community, I died (laughs) three years ago. Yeah. I didn't. You know what I mean? Like in your twenties, you can be such a dumb bitch and everyone's like, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. But then like, once you're in like your thirties, you just become an old hole. Yeah. Do you and know? It's like, and- <laughs> Why haven't you started a company yet? Like where's your yeah, Rolls Royce? Like- yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I get a senior's discount now at gay bars. So that's good. <laughs> amazing you know but (laughs) speaking of her being so young i wonder if the other actors that were nominated like the other women in the category were like are you kidding me we lost to a little kid like if it's not bad enough to lose you lose to a kid oh that'd kill me i I think i don't know i mean like i have to say that of all of the nominated performances this year i would say that whale rider was probably like right up there with like the most compelling yeah because it just there's something sort of magical about the movie and i love that they didn't go like moana kind of magic exactly (laughs) do you know what i'm saying i love that the magic part of it was subtle where she's like i can hear the ocean i can feel the whale. i know what they are communicating and it's like this way that it's she she climbs on top of the whale and she goes into the water i just thought because i know the movie is called whale rider i'm like whenever you got them back into the water because it's all the beached whales 
you're like, why wouldn't you just let go at that point? You yeah. rode the whale. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You're you're good to go now. You just get back into the tide and just come back to shore. <laughs> really? Seriously? Good point. But that, then we wouldn't have a movie, Kyle. But, you know. I, I, <laughs> I thought a, she died. Well, yeah, I think that's what they wanted us to think. But it took a while for the whales to show up. Didn't you feel that way? I was like halfway through the movie before we saw a damn whale. I was like, where are the whales? <laughs> I was promised whales. <laughs> but by the end, we got the whales. So it's all good. But 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 whenever those things happen, don't you ever just think like, oh, I guess I'm maybe not sophisticated enough to yeah. understand that <laughs> yeah. this is like artistic. There was an artistic choice. There's an undercurrent uh, here. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And like, I'm maybe I'm like too stupid to get it. I don't know. Like, I, I felt that same way, too. I'm like, where are the damn whales? But like, I think for me, the like, wow moment was whenever she was winning that award for her class at the oh. assembly and she starts crying yes. during her speech. Mm-hmm. apparently when they were filming that scene, they would not take a, like they wouldn't break, like they wouldn't call cut. Like they just made her keep going and going and going Whoa! to just really get that real broken down. I am trying my best right now, but I have so much going on inside of me. And she's like, she brought so much reality to that scene. Like, like, like chef's kiss to the director, but also chef's kiss to Keisha Castle Hughes. That's, a very impressive scene for what an 11 year old, a 12 year old. Oh yeah. I wrote down that scene too, because it, it was just, you got chills watching it. I mean, that's probably one of the scenes that won her this Oscar. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh no, absolutely. I mean, well, that's the thing. Cause I mean, with, that's the thing is with the younger people being nominated, really their nomination is kind of like their win. Oh, yeah. Because it would be very unlikely for somebody at such a young age to bring an emotional complexity to a character that could actually land them the win. Yeah. Because I, I know that Tatum O'Neill won for the movie Paper Moon in like 1970, whatever, and she was only like nine or 10 or something like that. Very, very young. And since then, I mean, then you also had. Um, uh, what's her face from the piano? Anna Paquin, and she was she was like nine or ten when she won as well. So you know, it's not unlikely for them to win. But these are all in supporting categories. Keisha mm. Castle Hughes is in a lead. It's much more competitive, and for her and probably the Academy, they were like, "Hey, like we've nominated you. You should just be happy with that because you're probably not going to win this Oscar. But frankly, I actually genuinely think that she had a decent chance at this because you have that family good feeling. You have the anxiety of like, oh, my God, did she actually die? You're rooting for her character. She does have that emotional depth that, you know, let's be honest, an 11 year old, 12 year old realistically could bring to a movie. I bought it. I believed it. Oh, yeah. And I think that it's a very compelling story. I think that um, this for her will probably like eclipse her career for the rest of her life because I don't know if I've seen her in any other major blockbusters since. But, you know, uh, I think that her performance was very impressive. And this is a movie that I would easily watch again, which frankly, for the other nominated performances in this list, like, I don't know. If I would ever watch, like, in America, I would never watch that movie. Ever <laughs> Something's got to give, really? You're not going to check that yeah. one out again? 
But you know, but like it's a testament that you say that to the acting because this story is not exactly brand new. Like it's been done a thousand mm-hmm. times. Mulan, like there's a ton of this sort of family acceptance yes. stories. So the fact that we both loved it so much, I think is a hats off to the actors and everybody involved. And that's the thing is you're right. The main conflict was, but you're a girl. And then she would try to fight and then be like, you're distracting the boys because you're (laughs) a girl. Like, I suppose, yeah, there was a little bit of repetitive conflict for sure. Um, How about that scene where the grandpa's like getting all the boys to like pound on their chest? Like, thank God I never had to do anything like that because I would have been so turned on (laughs) the whole time, like screaming and pounding on your naked chest and wrestling each other. Like, hello. (laughs) Why did we get to do that in Canada? Oh, God. I feel like most gay men's fear is like you have to throw a football in front of your father. Like, just, like... Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, but all this to say, though, I also think that she had sort of a I mean, I think that we've moved past this word, but just because I'm I'm bad at writing. She was very tomboyish, very masculine, very, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and I think that she she br- she brought that energy very very well maybe that could also be reliant heavily on the haircut i don't know but like <laughs> it was know, a very blunt a cut very yeah, blunt just, it was yeah like you know maybe a gas station bathroom haircut which we <laughs> we talk about a lot on this podcast but um yeah listen for uh for her age and for the subject matter i found it to be a very compelling performance i think i wish that there was maybe a little bit more of a story of her father, not her grandfather who raised her, but Mm -hmm. her father and her and that relationship and how he essentially abandoned her. He did because he was so focused on the boys and it was kind of like he didn't give a crap what happened to her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I just wish that they maybe focused on that a little bit more because then maybe I think there could have been a little bit more of like an emotional depth to her character. Mm -hmm. But, you know, overall, like just A plus. And I I just for such a young person to give such a compelling performance, like I was definitely crying when I thought she died. Oh, yeah. Like the last scene, soy sauce, soy sauce, whatever they were yelling at her and carrying on their shoulders, like all the chills. (laughs) Amazing. And, you know, and I actually had to keep reminding myself that she wasn't the winner. And I think I even misspoke a couple minutes ago and said she won because she was so compelling to me that I I kept thinking she won this category and she didn't. Oh, and I, I and I caught that, too. And I got it. Like, I knew what you meant because it really did seem like a winning performance. Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, uh, do you have anything else that you would like to add to her performance specifically before we move on? No, we got to get better hair for the sequel. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) It was cute. It was like a, it was like a little, I don't know. It just really, it had spirited away vibes. I don't know why, but it just reminded me of that. I could see that. Um, Okay. So let's talk about Samantha Morton in the movie in America. So um, this is directed by Jim Sheridan. You know, he did uh, My Left Foot in the Name of the Father, uh, which, uh, you know, Daniel J. Lewis, brilliant actor. So, you know, he's directed, um, you know, some amazing actors into some amazing, uh, Brenda Fricker, you know, won an Oscar for uh, My Left Foot as well. So it's like, this is a strong director and these Irish stories. And um, in America, I'm not exactly sure. I'm assuming that they were Canadian Irish immigrants that like drove down into the States and then just decided to live there like illegally. I'm yeah. just going to assume they were coming from Canada. 
But the, remember, they didn't know about a lot of like North American customs. Like they didn't know Halloween. They'd never seen Halloween before. So I was thinking the same thing. But then I'm like, how did they miss Halloween? Like, that's a very Canadian oh. thing, too. But what the fuck was that? That's so stupid. My fucking boyfriend is from Ireland. He know what he knows what Halloween is. This movie took place in two thousand two. <laughs> okay, see, like, so just a sheltered whole, family, maybe. <laughs> well, I don't. It was just very weird. They were every, the whole movie was just oh oh, daddy, are we going to America? Oh, I can't wait to go to America. Oh, we're Irish immigrants and we're here in America. It was just very like yeah, ah, like. It, like I get it that you're Irish, but like I'm pretty sure that Irish people know what Halloween is. Like they have Halloween. Yeah, like that's the um, birthplace of ghost stories, is it not? Ireland's I, so spooky. Yeah, they they every country in the world has some form of Halloween. I know in some cultures it's like the Day of the Dead, but yeah. Anyway, we're get we're getting off topic here, but but the point is is <laughs> that um in America is about an Irish immigrant family that sneaks into America and essentially tries to live the American dream, but they are not ever real. They never really get there because the movie is about coming trying to get over the trauma of their son who died named Frankie who Jim Sheridan, the director, actually had a um, a brother named Frankie Sheridan who died. Oh. So it's kind of inspired by that. Um, also, the whole E.T. reference, yeah. because that was um, Digimon uh, Juan Hunsu, who was nominated, who played Mateo, the guy who had HIV, mm-hmm. who was um, the Best Supporting Actor. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, I think that like he was kind of supposed to be like E.T. and like take care of them and like fix their problems and stuff like that. And I feel like in hindsight, maybe casting a black guy as that was a little problematic. Yeah, that's that's okay. It's a product of its time. But (laughs) it was confusing because I think a lot of people when they saw the movie, they thought the movie was set in the 80s because they went to go see E.T. in theaters. Yeah. But it was actually supposed to be a 20th anniversary because, well, they couldn't have been um, in the 80s because uh, the daughter – um, not Ariel, but the other one, she had like a camcorder, which they didn't have something that sophisticated, a handheld camcorder in like the 19, like 1982. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Ewan McGregor and Kate Winslet were originally set to play Johnny and Sarah, um, Samantha Martin plays Sarah, uh, when the film was originally called East of Harlem. And then obviously after script changes and stuff like that, it went to, um, Patty Considine and Samantha Morton. So Samantha Morton, uh, you know, she was in the movie with Sean Penn, Sweet and Low Down. I know her for, what was that movie that she was in with Tom Cruise, oh, uh, The Minority Report? Okay. And, you know, this is another, like, shaved head performance by Samantha Morton. She's the matriarch of the family. She kind of, like, just believes in her husband, Johnny, even though they're living in a pigeon shit (laughs) attic crack house and when they get there the kids and the family are so out of place and they're just like yeah this is fine we'll just throw a couple of you know coats of paint on the wall get some furniture going it'll be great and then it turns out to actually be kind of a nice apartment in a super sketchy building yeah and Samantha Morton's character, Sarah, as far as I'm concerned, is just way too chill about everything going on in this movie. Like, somebody will OD in the hall, and she's like, oh, Frank, or just whatever. Like, no big deal. Just step over his body, kids. He's fine. Like, just 
she was so chill about everything. And I guess it was just supposed to be because she believed in her husband. To me, it just stressed me out because I am so, I am so precious. I would never be able <laughs> to live in something. This movie stressed me out, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you brought what, that up about, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm glad you brought that up about her being like, stand by your man. Because for a large part of the movie, I was kind of thinking like, what is standing out so much about her performance other than she loves her husband? But if you watch closely, there's those moments when she's alone and you can see like the tortured feelings that she's having. And is this a mistake? Did we move here and we shouldn't have? I picked up on that and she doesn't let her husband see it, but it's under there. And I think that was maybe part of what um, sold them to nominate her. I think so too, because, you know, she's Irish. And the thing is about Irish people is like, you just, you bottle it down. Yeah. You don't say anything. And then one day you'll die. And well, that's yeah. kind she, of the Irish way, right? Is it, do you know from experience, your boyfriend's Irish, yeah. you mentioned. <laughs> but yeah, so like have, she, yeah. she did have moments where she'd have total freakouts, right? And start crying hysterically. And like, you'd see, ah, so you were bottling it down. Now it's all coming to the surface. Um, but I think that her husband did a great job of calming her down when she got like that. I mean, her whole character was just that she always had faith. Like whenever the doctor said, if you keep this baby, it's at the risk of your own health. Mm -hmm. And she's literally just like, you know, I can't feel the baby kick. And then she just lies to her, to her family. And she's oh. like, oh, I felt the baby kick. And yes. she just is constantly lying to herself because I believe it's faith in her circumstance because of the loss of Frankie and maybe this baby she believes will save them. And yeah. I don't know, like there's just a lot of unspoken things that the audience has to kind of interpret on their own. Yeah. Which there's, a, is... there's a fine line though, between faith and denial. And I think that she sort of yes. straddles that line well, and then it's up to the audience, like you said, to decide which one is it, is it faith or denial? Right. I mean, I, for me, I think it was more, I, I, I feel like it was probably Faith because she did dress up the Ariel kid up for Halloween as like an angel. Ah, very observant. So like maybe Faith, but like I do feel like um, when she wants to keep her baby and she, her husband Johnny is, is, is like, no, like, what are you doing? Like you're putting yourself at risk. And she they start to fight in front of the kids and the way that the, cause you never really see her fight him on anything yeah, except for when she wants to keep her baby because she believes that she can save this baby mm -hmm. because she couldn't save the last one. And that moment when she's lying to the kids and right in front of the kids, the dad says, why I can't feel anything. Right. And she storms out of the room and you can just feel the rage from her in that mm -hmm. moment. And I think that was probably her big Oscar moment is that's like kind of the climax of like, fuck you. I have gone along with all of this bullshit. And you're going to ruin this and for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to ruin this for me. And I think it, it it's nice sort of at the end, whenever um, their other child is tells um, Johnny, you know, um, Patty Considine, you need to say goodbye to Frankie. It's Oof. time to let go of Frankie. And I think that that for me was probably really the only moment that kind of made me feel something. Yeah. Well, it's heavy. I mean, that's wow. How do you say goodbye to anybody you've lost? It's, it's a hard thing to accept. 
I think that this movie is just about emotional trauma and the journey of getting over that and the way that her character believes that she can save this baby because she couldn't save her last. I understand that. Mm -hmm. That being said, this is not a movie that I would ever watch again. I I didn't, I, I I totally understand the nomination, Mm -hmm. especially like the scenes where she's pregnant. She's in uh, the hospital um, the way that she's being hysterical after the baby is born and she's being very, uh, um, what's the word? Like she wasn't making any sense. Yeah. And she's like asking where the baby is and where Frankie is. And then they're like, Frankie's dead. And she has to go through this whole emotional, like what's And the confusion. I think that there were just so many great moments. I fully understand why she was nominated for this Oscar, but I do believe that it's truly just the acting like um, Digimon uh, Hunsu, who was nominated uh, for supporting. I see why the acting was singled out and perhaps the writing, uh, which was also nominated. But the one criticism that I have of this movie is that I really feel like the actor Patty Considine was just the wrong choice for the lead actor. I didn't like him as the dad. I feel like everybody was kind of acting circles around him a little bit. Uh, I could see that. He was sort of this goofy, like dopey. Maybe if he was an actor or played it with more gravitas and wasn't so like wimpy, for lack of a better word. That's not the right (laughs) word, but you know what I mean? Like he wasn't very commanding as a father figure, but maybe that's because he was there for himself. He was trying to make it as an actor and... Be, being a dad wasn't his main drive. I mean, that's that's also very true. I, I just maybe it's just a personal thing. I just I just feel like Samantha Morton and uh, Digimon Hunsu were like bringing so much more to it than Patty. Uh, but again, like whatever. I'm not a casting director. That's that's not really up to me. But listen, Samantha Morton, she has really beautiful moments. Uh, if she went supporting on this one, I would also see kind of a supporting role for her in yeah. this. Like, you know, she's, she's in the movie, but she's also kind of not really in the movie. And it's very just like, okay, husband, whatever you want, husband. Yes, let's do that. Husband. I have faith husband for sure. Husband. And then the only time that she challenges him is really, it's just about the baby. You know what? You're right. It's almost like her character was more of a supporting character, but just because of where she was on the call sheet or how many people are in this movie, she just happened to be a lead because there's not that right. big of a cast. But uh, yeah, cause she wasn't even the first, again, with like the first half, I was like, okay, which one is the nominee here? Because she was barely in it. Mm-hmm. It felt like until it really picked up those two daughters though, they deserve to be nominated. Nominated. I thought those kids did a great job. I think so too. I think that probably the youngest Ariel brought the most sort of maturity and emotional complexity to the role, but that's just my opinion. It was Um, a cool, uh, held a mirror up to American culture though. That's why I brought up Halloween at the beginning because I love how they were like little shots at the States. Like she was like, what's trick or treat? And she's like, you don't ask for things in America. You demand it trick or treat now. That sort of thing. And like trying to understand what drag or trans is. And she said, that's just how they do things in America. Like very um, kind of shady, but also very apt and and true about America. And like that it's not that easy to just move there and become a famous actor. It doesn't work that easily. And they showed that Mm -hmm. well as also. I mean, 100%. And and that also is, of course, according to like the 2002 standards of what a transgender person was, right? Yeah, right. Um. But I don't know. I mean, listen, I had I I didn't love this movie. I understand the uh, the, why the acting got singled out. I think Samantha 
uh, Morton brought a, a lot of like a really nice moments to the character Sarah. And I think that um, she's clearly a very talented actress. It's just, this is not a movie that I would ever watch again. Like for me, the movie that I love about like an Irish person coming to America and it's just so much more interesting and so much more well done in my opinion and maybe less depressing, even though it has depressing moments is the movie Brooklyn with Saoirse Ronan. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh my God. You need to see it. It's like my favorite movie. <laughs> okay. Brooklyn. I'm writing it down. But that being said, though, do you have anything else that you would like to add to her performance specifically before we move on? No, I think you summed it up really well. And I agree with you. It's not something you'd get more out of by watching it again, whereas some of the others in this year, you would. You know, even yeah. even something's got to give, I think. <laughs> you could have some enjoyable oh moments watching that again than, than this one. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that's a good jumping off point. So let's talk about Diane Keaton in Something's Gotta Give. Oh, boy. So Diane Keaton in Something's Gotta Give. The movie opens with Jack Nicholson's creepy-ass voice saying that (laughs) I've been an expert on dating younger women for over 40 years. I'm like, okay, that is just fucking... That's gross. That's E.B. Cray. I feel like according to like the 2002 standards, it's like Jack Nicholson could still be considered like a love interest and boy, have times changed. And boy, (laughs) am I not mad about that? Let me tell you. It's just creepy. Like I've been an expert on dating young women for over 40 years. Like, and how about, but doesn't he say right after that, that like zoom in on a woman's legs and he's like, this is the fleeting moment in a woman's life where she's perfect and everything falls together. And then five minutes later, she's a witch. It's like, I can't believe you said that. I know. And listen, I understand anybody listening to this podcast who goes, wow, that was a really ageist thing to say. I don't care. Jack Nicholson is so fucking creepy. And him talking about (laughs) dating young girls. Yeah, that's creepy to me. Sorry, girl. Well, Um, let me tell you, you could take over. You do a great Nicholson there, pal. I was thinking I was talking to him. Thank you. I've been shadowing him for months. (laughs) Yeah, right. I don't believe you at all. I'm the the creepy one. Um, Okay, so originally, 20th Century Fox actually declined to make this film because they thought that the leads were too old, which is interesting <gasps> because that's kind of the whole point of the movie. Um, yeah, is and it- they're not even that old. Isn't, like, Diane Keaton, she was, like, 57 when she did this, and Jack Nicholson, I mean, I don't know how old he is, but I'm assuming he was in his 60s when he did this. Well, old enough to have multiple heart attacks when you have sex, so however old that true. is. <laughs> but, wow, I'm shocked to hear that they didn't want to make it because... I mean, the whole thing is just kind of a cringy love story about a man realizing that a woman his own age can still be hot, which is horrific. Yeah. You know, but I'm glad that they told this story because that's a lesson I think a lot of guys need to hear even today. I mean, yeah, like a hundred, 150 percent. Like you absolutely, absolutely. That is 100 percent exactly what the tone of the movie is. But for the time... You know, because like as a culture, as a society, like we've certainly grown since then. But I feel like this type of story and this type of performance being nominated was probably very relevant. Yeah. It was probably trying to show that older women like still have sexuality. And you're like, didn't the Golden Girls do that in the 80s? Like, are we still trying to make this like relevant and whatever? But I have to say, I'm really going to give it to Diane Keaton for really bringing it because this movie obviously is like a rom-com, which generally doesn't really get a lot of Oscar love, but there is a lot of layers to the story and to the performance. And you really see the full journey of Diane Keaton's character um, from start to finish. And I have to say um, for her, especially in 2001 or 2002 or 2003 or whenever this was filmed 
um, her getting naked on screen as a woman in her late 50s at that time was very brave. And I will give her a solid applause for doing that. That's that's fair. And, you know, just to what you said about it being a rom-com, I found that the movies in this category were very diverse in that way. Like the genres didn't overlap a lot. I mean, some of them did, but this one really was left field being a comedy and, and a rom-com. But she brought those layers. Like you could see the torment, you could see the happiness, the love. Oh my God, I'm sure we'll get into a bit later in the movie, but when her heart was broken and when she was just reeling over Jack not wanting to be with her, I, I felt it all like 100%. And I mean, she's so good at knowing the tone of the movie because it was dramatic. It was sad, but also it is a comedy. So it was also kind of funny the way that she was dramatically weeping. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, we've all, I've been there when you're that heartbroken, yeah. like the screaming cry. I mean, the screaming was maybe a bit bit heavy, but, <laughs> or a bit much, <laughs> but I will say it hooked me right away because when the movie opened and I saw that. Jack Nicholson was dating her daughter. I was like, oh, shit. I want to see yeah. what happens here. So it did catch my attention. That's true. Also, it's weird to see Frances McDormand in this movie. as yeah. like A backup supporting player. I know. But, and Keanu Reeves, too, although he was more mainstream. And he was hot as hell in this movie, I thought. I don't get it. I don't get it with Keanu Reeves. You don't I think he's hot? Never. Oh God, no! Oh my I've God, never understood it. Never. <laughs> I, I like Matrix didn't do it for me, but something about this. Maybe it's because he was a doctor. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, I thought he was hot in this movie. I mean, there was just so many moments where I was like, "Oh dear God!" Like whenever, you know, Jack Nichols, he's like, "Hey, I was just sitting around looking at your baby pictures, thinking of you." You're like, "Ugh!" <laughs> like it's just so many fucking creepy moments, but it's like. I love that because when you're watching it, you're like, oh, God, it's just going to be him being a chauvinistic playboy. And it's just he's going to learn that like, oh, like older women can fuck, too. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> exactly. But I, actually, the script gets completely flipped on him. And I was happy about that. I love the way that mm -hmm. he like realized that he was being an asshole. I love the way that like he gets rejected in more than one way, like on different continents. I love the way that like he really tries to make amends and recognizes his behavior because frankly, if they hadn't had that, it would have been a very one note performance and yeah. it just would have been even more unlikable because I'm not rooting for him. I could care less about him. Also the fact that he was the manager of a hip hop label called drive by records. And there was not one black person in the movie. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, j there's just so many things in this movie that you're like, Oh, for fuck's sakes. But literally like Diane Keaton, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Diane Keaton, but I really enjoyed her in this movie. I've seen this movie before. If it was on TV, I would watch it again. I think um, she, like I said, knows the tone of the movie very well. I love the way she gets very emotional, her mm -hmm. emotional response after they have sex for the first time. And then, you know, he wants to sleep in separate rooms and the way that she navigates like that sort of disappointment, but also she doesn't want to like come across as clingy and you can just see like all of the cogs turning in her brain and you see like what her character is going through. There's not one moment where you're wondering how she feels because she just emotes it so well. And again, because this is a rom-com, you don't necessarily take it seriously, but Diane Keaton made me take it seriously. Yeah, well said. And she, I love that she's so positive and or the character was. I feel like Diane Keaton's probably really like this too, but that moment on the stairs when she was so heartbroken and 
her daughter was saying like, I'm swearing off men or whatever. And she was like, don't give up on love, like love again. And I was just like, Oh my God, like I'm so cynical. I would never be like that. So it was refreshing that she, (laughs) she could still believe in love when she was that hurt, you know? I love that but, we all need to hear it from like a movie script, but like when our yeah. friends tell us, we're like, no, no, we're like, <laughs> no, I want to hear from Diane Keaton only. <laughs> but did you catch? A lot of gay men say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure her share. But did you catch when <laughs> they stole one of your jokes from your stand-up act? There was a scene, and I don't write down who she said it to, but so, I think it was Jack Nicholson said to her, "Oh, you smell good," and she goes, "It's just oh, soap." Yeah. I thought that too. I was like, that's Kyle's joke. It's so funny. I literally, that's so funny you caught that because I also thought that too because it was Keanu Reeves when they were on the date. Okay. And he's like, oh, like you smell good. And she's like, oh, it's just so. Yeah. It's like, take notes straight, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's really funny. It was really good. And then there was a shout out to Joan Rivers, which I love. They were watching her on QVC. Speaking of stand up, that was fun. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. there were so many, like, really nice uh, moments that I really loved. Uh, I also think that Diane Keaton is actually kind of doing a better job than Jack Nicholson in this movie is that spot. Because I know Jack Nicholson's, like, one of the best. But honestly, I felt like Diane Keaton, like, really outshone him in this role. And mm-hmm. I do think that Diane Keaton was maybe a little too chill about the fact that, like, he was dating her daughter and then her daughter was like, Oh my God, no, like date, like take my cast away. It's totally fine. Like enjoy my sloppy seconds, mom. Like that. I don't think I ever really got past that, but at some point you have to just be like, okay, this is the movie that we're watching. I guess just get into it. But that I never really got past. I get what you're saying. They glossed over it. And then I found that they made the daughter act extra juvenile. Like she's like 30 something. And they're, she's like, I'm going to the mall with Becky. And it's like, okay, you're purposely trying to make her seem like a 12 year old. Just so we don't want them to be together anymore. But that would never happen. No mom would ever be like, hey, daughter, you done with that guy? Yeah, right. <laughs> It's definitely creepy. Yeah, And you want to know what else was creepy? The way Jack Nicholson would like breathe on her. And I've seen this from old guys before, not in real life necessarily. Well, I won't admit or deny that, but I find that (laughs) guys reach a certain age and they do this, like, I'm going to eat you. Like if you kiss them, they're like, make this weird growling exhale sound. And Jack Nicholson (laughs) does it the creepiest. You'll notice it next time. Now that I've said that. Oh, probably. I find that Jack Nicholson for me just cannot be a love interest. Like when we watch Terms of Endearment, like I just don't see it. I don't get it. Like to me, he's just creepy. Like I only see him as maybe it's just because he was a big part of my childhood in in Batman as the Joker. I don't know. But for me, Jack is just creepy. (laughs) I think you hit it because for our generation, he was the Joker. There was the Shining and he was also that guy in The Witches with Cher. Uh, so he's always been sort of the this devil. creepy. Yeah, he was a straight up devil. So I think that has something to do with it for sure. Yeah, I can't see him as a love interest, but you know that's that's just me. Um, okay, well, I mean, I don't know. To, to Diane Keaton, you see her, her full journey. I love that it was like the build up. She didn't want him, and then she did, and then they got into it, and then it didn't work out, and then she like saw him with like a younger person. They were trying to keep it casual, then it wasn't casual. And then, you know, she, like, starts dating Keanu Reeves. She gets over him. It's been six months. And then he gets – it's that whole will they, won't they throughout the entire script. It's not something that we haven't seen before. But right. I do think that what does make it interesting is that it is about a more mature person. And I really wish that there were more stories like that because I do find that um, just honestly making it about more mature, older 
people, it actually does make it a little bit more interesting because we are such a youth obsessed society that these types of stories should be told. And I think it's sort of interesting the way that they told it. I think Diane Keaton really went there. And I think that she really nailed the tone of the movie where she was serious when it needed to be serious, but also still to maintain that level of comedy that she's so famous for and good at. And I think that she absolutely nailed this role. And I totally get the, uh, I totally get the nomination. That's right. By the end of it, I liked this movie way more than I thought I was going to. And I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that because it's kind of a kitschy rom-com, but because of the ages, it made it watchable. Whereas if it was people that were in their twenties or thirties, it would just be another Hallmark Christmas movie. So made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. I do think it was a little long, but then I also think maybe it needed to be that long because otherwise you wouldn't have that full journey of the will they, won't they, and then they do, and then, oh, they don't, and then she's (laughs) gone off to Paris, and he's going to go chase her, and then they don't. And And then he's got to breathe on her some more. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know... um, you know, I, I, yeah, it's a solid rom-com and solid performance from Diane Keaton. I think similar to Samantha Morton, they may nominate it. They may have nominated Diane because her acting was so good, but they never were going to give it to her because it was a rom-com. Well, I think she won the Screen Actors Guild. For it. Oh, I wow. Believe. She won some... A major award for this because let me just actually double check that because okay, please hold um, everybody do, do, do. yeah I just need to check this because I do know that she this was a very critically acclaimed role so no she didn't win the screen actor skill but I do believe that she won what did she win for Oh, she won the National Board of Review. That's what she won for this role. So it's like, you know, she had a she probably had a solid chance at at possibly winning this, you know, and she did um, a great job. I just didn't think like job. if I was the Academy to weigh it against the other dramas in this category, it's tough. That's a tough thing to do. You know, comedy versus drama, that's always the conversation with the Oscars. They never take comedy very seriously. Mm, that's another podcast. That's another <laughs> podcast. Um, okay. So let's move on. Let's talk about Naomi Watts in the movie 21 Grams. So this was directed by Alejandro Giannirito, and I have never seen this movie before. It's not what I was expecting. As I said earlier in the podcast, I thought that this was going to be a way more, um, what's the word, like spiritual sci-fi kind of thing because it's about 21 grams is perhaps the weight of your soul because when they say that you die you lose exactly 21 grams so they they speculate that it's uh because it's based off of dr duncan mcdougall of uh haverhill massachusetts whose work is actually regarded as flawed and unscientific because it was his theory in the early 20th century that he believed that that's what 21 grams meant and that was the it was your soul but it has since been proven as unscientific and flawed. Um, mm. Naomi Watts actually got this role uh, while meeting um, uh, Alejandro in Yuritu while she was filming the well scene from The Ring. And wow. she met him while she was in all the like gross well 
clothes attire costume and she was worried that the grungy costume would affect their meeting because her hair was a mess and she it made her look unprofessional but it's actually like what he was looking for and when you watch this movie because it's a very gritty performance and a very dark heavy movie with dark heavy subject matter that you could totally see somebody coming from the well in the ring like <laughs> transitioning into this movie well you're like yeah, yeah that makes sense it does so he's like, she walks in, perfect, cast. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that the 21 grams thing was supposed to be, because I didn't realize until the very last scene of the movie, I thought it was drugs. I was waiting for like drugs oh. to come out. So what that kind of blew my mind that it's also the weight of a hummingbird, which is kind of cute. But I, I just didn't realize until the last scene. So did you know that going into this? Or you just thought maybe? I knew that. Yeah, because that, that's why I thought it was all magical and spiritual mm, because okay. I always knew – because I remember there was a teacher in high school that talked about it, and I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And I thought – because I went to a Catholic high school, like, you know, do you believe in magic, yeah. right? Like, And for me, like, I always thought, oh, this movie's about your soul, so – and so for me, I don't know maybe if it was just because of my previous expectations going into this, but I didn't find that the 21 Grams title was successful in what the movie was about. Yeah, because it, it was almost I, more like a fertility journey or like, I don't know. So let's talk. Okay, so very quickly. So 21 Grams, it's a freak accident that brings together a critically ill mathematician, a grieving mother, and a born-again a born again ex-con. So... In the movie, um, Sean Penn is kind of like the center of the story in a way. Benicio Del Toro is the ex-con alcoholic who he, he does a hit and run on Naomi Watts's children and husband, Michael, played by Danny Houston. And she loses her entire family because of the hit and run by Benicio Del Toro. And Benicio Del Toro, it's like, you see what he goes through because at first he kind of wants to hide it. He has a criminal history. Then he eventually goes to jail to pay the price for it. He attempts to commit suicide. Sean Penn um, is going through a heart transplant and then his body is rejecting it. You find out that the heart that he had was Michael's heart, Naomi Watts' husband. So Sean Penn has Michael's heart and the whole story is this intertwining lives story and how they have affected each other's lives and the way that they self-medicate and cope and react to all of the trauma that they've endured and the way that they navigate it in their lives. It's a very realistic, gritty, grungy performance Certainly one of Naomi Watts's best. I've never seen this movie before, but if I, I have seen the movie The Impossible, which she was also nominated for, and clearly, you know, she knows how to navigate emotional disasters oh. very well. When the doctor right? broke the news to her in the hospital, mm -hmm. <gasps> mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not a crier, but Kyle, I that had me going. Yeah. You know, that's her, unbelievable, her acting. That's interesting i'm actually surprised to hear that you're not a crier because you you went to theater school didn't you like you're mm -hmm. you're like a drama major yeah i am but i'm also like i said a very cynical and suppressed person so i tend to push those <laughs> feelings down <laughs> me too that's why we're in comedy and that's why we're friends <laughs> that's why we're friends yeah absolutely but yeah she had a lot um, of hard emotions to up a lot of hills and valleys for her and i obviously that's why she was nominated but man she did it well I'll be honest with you. This to me was, I think, 
like there are a couple there are a couple performances in here that you could argue could could win the Oscar. And to me, I think frankly, there's only one person in here that I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. But Naomi Watts, I think, was a strong contender in this category. I can see why she got cast in The Impossible because, like, again, like, navigating emotional disasters, she certainly proved that she could do it in this movie. I think that as a person myself who, um, you know, struggles with addiction in some form or another, I mean, nowhere near the emotional trauma that she had to deal with and Mm -hmm. why she was coping, of course. But as a person that sees how difficult it can be to manage stress and turning to drugs and turning to alcohol. And I really related to her characters, um, I guess, addiction problems and why she went there and the way that she handled it. And um, I also really think like, you know, I think that uh, Alejandro Iñárritu really should have been nominated for best director because those flashback scenes could have been really fucking confusing because it's all time jumps. Yes. And it, I and I totally understood every moment of it. I'm so glad you said that because I was I had this written down. I'm like I don't know if I want to bring this up because I make myself sound stupid that I don't like time jumping nonlinear movies, but this one made perfect sense to my blonde brain, and so I'm, yeah. I'm, it, it validates <laughs> me that you said the same thing. You know, and I think that. I mean, you can't really single out one moment for Naomi Watts because each scene that she has is some emotional disaster like finding out that sean penn who is kissing her has the heart of her husband who died and and he got it in a transplant or whenever she finds out that her family is is dead or whenever she is fucked up at the bar and then the um valet parking is like you're too drunk to drive she drives into another car she's throwing her drink She's screaming at people. She's just being a disaster. She passes out in her car, in her garage, and Sean Penn just leaves her there and closes the garage door like a gentleman. Right. (laughs) There's just so many fucked up. Like, there is not one scene where you're like, oh, that was a Disney moment. Like, it was all so intense. And she brought so much reality to the scene that frankly, I don't really know if any other actor could do it as good as she did it. Yeah. I I mean, I well said again, I, I agree with you. And I think the Disney moment though, was the overarching synchronicity of the fact that he got his heart. And that's like this, oh my gosh, you never know what'll happen if you turn left instead of right. Like, I bet you crazy things like that happen to all of us every day. And we probably never find out about them. Like not a heart transplant, hopefully. But (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like that's what I liked about it. And that was sort of the feel good thing of this movie. But the rest of it was so gritty and, and it made it believable. I mean, one thing that I thought was very subtle that I enjoyed was whenever Clay Duvall was like, side note, my ex always used to say that he looked like Clay Duvall. And I was like, no, honey. Uh, oh, my God. I, the one I met? Let me now I got to Google oh, her. Oh, that's so funny. Did you meet her? No, no, your ex. Oh, no, you never. It was like my first boyfriend. He was Hungarian. He had oh. like similar bone structure, but he didn't look like her. Oh, yeah. I'm but looking anyway. at her now. The one I met did not look like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. But um, it's whenever she's like, Clay Duvall's like, are you going to charge, are you going to press charges for, you know, Benicio Del, Del Toro, uh, Jack, mm-hmm. for this? Are you going to do that? And she's like, no. She's like, what is that going to do? My family is gone. Me pressing charges, that's not going to make a difference. And at that moment, I was like, 
what? I was like, why would you not? Of course you should. What, what are you do? I am, I am outraged yeah. on your behalf. <laughs> what are you talking? I was so angry. But then in the end, like you find out that she wants to kill him and Sean Penn is the one that does it. And she's kind of like not mad that like she did it. And I love that originally she didn't want to press charges, but then when she had some time to sit with it, she changed her mind. And I feel like people, when they go through extreme emotional traumas, I feel like they're in those kinds of head spaces where they shouldn't be making those big decisions. Like if they want to press charges or if they want to hire a lawyer or if they want to do organ donation or things like that, it's like, I, they're still trying to process the moment of what's happening. And again, this wasn't a big moment. I'm just saying it was like a subtle moment that I picked up on and I um, appreciated. Oh, absolutely. I, I was screaming at the doctor too. And she's like, just found out her husband died. And would you like to donate his organs? Or actually, he wasn't even dead yet. Yeah, I know. I was like, really, bitch? But I know. <laughs> I also wrote down here, um, uh, sex scene in capital letters. I don't know why I wrote that down. Sex scene. There must have been a killer <laughs> sex scene. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, like, it was definitely, like, a, an emotionally driven sex scene because she fights him off for so long. And yeah. he kind of doesn't really take no for an answer, which kind of got a little annoying at some point. But, yeah. Um, yeah. but, like, you know, it's – I just like the way how complicated each character is, how flawed they are, and just the way that they're trying their best. They don't present it in this fun Hollywood package of, like – I got addicted to drugs and then I went to rehab and boop, I got all better again. It, this movie kind of just goes from bad to worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's, and there's in a, the, it, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say it goes from bad to worse, but there's still a lot of peaks of like love. And one moment for me was when that, when he tried to kill himself in jail and that big scary inmate found him. And then they had this wonderful embrace and it was like, there was some heart in those little moments. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think that I like the way that at the end of the movie, there's kind of no real closure exactly. Like Sean Penn tries to kill himself and then that doesn't really work. And then Naomi Watts is just left with the burden of everything that has happened and she has to just accept it. She did get to beat the shit out of Jack with the... yeah what was it? It was like a, the, the corner of the bed or something. And she's like whacking him with the table. I can't remember what it was, but I thought it was funny that she was beating him. And then she screams at him to call an ambulance. Yeah. Call an ambulance. <laughs> he should have fucking killed him in the field. I was so mad. I was like, this is going to bite you when you're just trying to run him out of town. Every time you have the chance yeah. to kill the killer, kill them. I know. And I don't know why he showed up to the motel room. Was it because he wanted a confrontation and he wanted um, Paul Sean Penn to kill him? Oh, I was thinking he was just so pissed off. He was going to go kill Sean Penn. Like, fuck you. How dare you try to run me out of town? That's how I, I took know. it. I think he like wanted him to kill him because he was so depressed. and Maybe. And because he's religious, like killing yourself is yeah. a sin. You end up in purgatory. So Yeah, you're probably right. Like, I don't know, but there was just, I loved how complicated the, the movie was, um, how complicated the characters were, how much reality Naomi Watts, like as an actor to go to that place, like that is heavy. And to go there, like, I feel like that would be very scary to go there emotionally. And she did very, very well. And um, I completely understand why she was nominated for an Oscar for it. I agree. Totally. Um, okay, so do you have anything else that you would like to add to her performance specifically before we move on? No, let's move on to the big enchilada. 
The big enchilada. So let's talk about Charlize Theron or Theron or however it is that you pronounce it <laughs> yeah. in the movie Monster. So a couple of facts about this movie. So obviously this is based on the female serial killer Eileen Warnos, who obviously this was unprecedented because there'd never really been a female serial killer before. And she actually, the serial killer uh, Eileen Warnos, had given director Patty Jenkins access to hundreds of letters that she had written and received over the years, which was significant because Eileen, the serial killer, was notoriously uncooperative. And they also said that she was a pathological liar. So when you watch this movie, do take it with a grain of salt because, um, you know, the character of Selby, she's actually based on Tyria Moore Selby, uh, on Tyria Moore, sorry. And Selby is actually fictionalized because Tyria asked not to have her likeness or personal life used in the movie and director Patty Jenkins agreed. So just keep that in mind when you watch this movie where you think like, Oh, it's a biography. Like this is a very fictionalized version of what Eileen said happened. So do take it with a grain of salt. But of course these murders did of course happen. Um, Charlize Theron actually won this Oscar on Eileen Warnos's birthday. And yeah, in real life, Eileen Wernos actually used photos of kids to lure Johns to, um, like, the photo. Remember, she's like, these are my kids I'm trying to get back to. Those are actually her sister's adoptive kids. And uh, she used that photo whenever um, her looks began to deteriorate due to her drug and alcohol lifestyle. And it was a way of, like, getting sympathy from her John so that they would give her money. Um wow. Kate Winslet, Heather Graham, Brittany Murphy, and Kate Beckinsale all auditioned for this role. But uh, director Patty Jenkins felt that Charlize Theron was the only choice for this movie. And when Charlize Theron asked why, she said, because I feel like Kate Winslet and Heather Graham, uh, Brittany Murphy, Kate Beckinsale, she's like, I feel like I could push them around. She's like, I don't feel like I could push you around. Oh, interesting. Um, After her Oscar win, all people spoke about was her, quote, going ugly and not the acting performance. And it was actually a news article that was the most significant when she was like talking about this and how it affected her career was actually an article out of Vancouver and how they were like, oh, like going ugly and getting rid of the glam to win an Oscar. And they really didn't focus on the performance. They focused on the makeup. And um Kate Hudson was also offered the role of Selby played by Christina Ricci and she turned it down. So I'm going to be honest with you here. This is not a kind of movie or performance that I sit down when I'm doing this podcast and I make notes. This is a kind of movie and performance that I watch and I enjoy because let's be honest, most Oscar performances are nominated for their just the acting. It's usually the acting that is single out. Very rarely to Best Actress nominees. It's not usually also a Best Picture nominee. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I find that some of these performances, and you're talking about roles for women and how they're often not there. When you watch movies for Best Actress, especially for this podcast, you aren't always watching a very enjoyable movie. You're watching an enjoyable performance. This is a kind of performance and a kind of movie that gives me chills. This is a kind of movie and performance that I have seen a million times. I will never get sick of it. I will watch it a million times again. It is so gritty. It is so real because 
this is a female serial killer that you feel bad for. This is a person and the way that they have told the story and the way that they direct it is that she is a victim. You walk away from the movie feeling bad for her. And I think that that is not only a credit to the script, that is not only a credit to the director, but it is such a credit to Charlize Theron and the way that she brings this character, this female serial killer to life. I'm sorry, but like how many stories of murderers can you walk away from and be like, oh, well, you know, circumstance. Totally. I'm, you know what? Well said. I guess how many times have I said, well said Kyle, but you know, you're right (laughs) because it humanized her. She didn't do anything creepy or gross to the bodies like Dahmer. She didn't eat them like Paul Bernardo and Carla. She shot them, which is terrible, but then she'd walk away. So it it was easier in a way to relate to a serial killer like her than it is to ones that do disgusting things like bury them in their basement. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I thought. And Mm -hmm. her explanation for why she's killing these men do you think that she really believed she was like some kind of Dexter hero killing these gross men? Or did she just get off on killing? I couldn't answer that. For me, it felt like getting off on killing because it was a way of her having her own agency and empowering herself and taking back what was taken from her because she clearly had a super fucked up life mm-hmm. and she was abused and raped and beaten and just for her, it was a way of fighting back because the world had taken everything from her. And I feel like for me, yeah, the makeup of course contributes to the performance, but come on. I have never seen Charlize Theron shine brighter. Like just the way that she says like, thanks man. And well shit. And I'll blow you if you want. Like just the way it comes out of her so naturally, it's very broy. Yeah. But you don't at all even think like, oh, Charlize Theron, like, oh, she's being so cringe. It's like she's talking like one of the guys and it's so natural. I believe she's beaten down. I believe there is not one second that I doubt that she is this character. Absolutely. The way she moves, the way she whips her hair, like even her sh- little yeah. shoulder thing. It's like, if you're going to criticize her makeup or like, you know, blame it on the makeup and hair, well, then you got to credit her movement too, because you can't just put on makeup. You need someone to bring it to life. And she did that. But the makeup was yeah. great, but they called it peaches and cream complexion. I'm one scene. I was like, oh my God, that's so <laughs> gross, but that's exactly what it is. She almost had like a Michael Keaton creepy <laughs> realness to her. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Especially the scene when they're smoking in the non-smoking section and they're like, you can't smoke in here. And then she knocks the guy over because she feels so invincible and she kind of goes like come at me what do you want the yeah. way she, it was very beetlejuice very yeah. <laughs> yeah do you know what i mean i it's, do but just because she had that those like those teeth right the like s- the smoke covered and mm-hmm. the crooked teeth and stuff and just the way that she would almost like glare her teeth out whenever she would like be sticking her thumb out while she was trying to hitch and stuff like that and pick up a john Everything was considered down to not just the physicality of it, but also the, the the gestures and the the expressions. Again, like the thanks, man, and the way that she would snap back at somebody, like, oh, like you think I'm a fucking dyke? Like, meh. like she's like, fuck you. And the way that she does it, I believe that she would fit into a biker bar in the South very well. Oh yeah, it was. But then you see Charlize Theron; she's this gorgeous you know, beautiful, like starlet. And then you see her like 
grunging herself up and 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 seamlessly blending into a biker bar come on like the skill that that requires as an actor oh yeah it's so believable oh and she's even like at the very beginning right the typical closet jock you and i both had crushes on growing up i'm sure that were like you know she's like i'm not gay but it's like "Mm," you know she knew she was gay when she was denying Mm -hmm. it i don't or do you think she had a gay awakening at the beginning of the movie i feel like she knew she was just typical closet case repressing it i don't know i think she was probably bisexual i find that like women are more emotionally intelligent so they're able to like emotionally connect with people and like Mm -hmm. one of my girlfriends is bisexual and she didn't kind of figure that out until like maybe five six years ago and it's so funny that we're having this conversation right now because she had her bisexual awakening with a girl that kind of looks like Charlize Theron (laughs) real Charlize Theron or this version no like this version (laughs) not actually if my friend was dating Charlize Theron I would be in Hollywood right now I'd be like girl get me in a movie (laughs) um but yeah, like I think for me, maybe she was probably more bisexual, but like I also just think that she was looking for a genuine love connection with someone that never happened in her life because affection was always sexual and it was always violence. Okay, okay, that makes sense. There's another uh, Charlize Theron movie that I love, which is not exactly Oscar worthy, called Snow White and the Huntsman. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I bring that up is because she plays the evil queen and the the physical difference between those two characters, obviously the evil yeah. queen's beautiful and, but she plays that role so well. It's actually one of my favorite roles of hers. And I just, mm-hmm. I love comparing the two because it gives you a real sense of her talent and the, and the range that she has. I mean, I think for me, there is not one moment where I'd say like, that's the Oscar scene. I think for me, what overall makes the performance so incredible is her sense of stress and anxiety of having to figure out what to do next, whether it's hiding a body or having money for food or trying to survive. And at the end of the day, she is a survivor and it's so interesting the way that she manages to get away with kind of everything but it isn't until she kills that cop and then she finds his badge mm-hmm. and that's when you see the the panic she overcomes with panic it's that it's that sense of urgency and anxiety and she goes to 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 Selby and she's like we got to go we got to run we got to get out of here it's just the way like there was just so much reality. Like, I believe that she murdered someone. It's just, there's something about this movie that's so real. Well, she played a real person. Like even the scene where the guy was like, I'm nervous. I've never done this before. And then she changed her mind and she wasn't going to kill him. It's like, she humanized it. She humanized this role. Mm-hmm. The guy with the stutter, I wrote that down. Every time I watch this movie, the guy with the stutter, and he's like, I don't like it rough. And you're like, oh my God, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. And then she doesn't. And you're like, oh, thank God. He was so cute. <laughs> yeah. I know. She gives him a sad hand job and didn't take and, long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she was like, oh, thank God. And aren't we all happy, by the way, when you have to jerk somebody <laughs> off and they're done in two seconds? You're like, oh, bless. Yeah. Everyone talks about it's like it's a bad thing. Some nights you just want to get it over with. Really? I'm like a solid five minutes kind of girl. I'll be honest (laughs) with you. 
I, I, I don't get the 30 minutes. I don't have that much stamina. I don't know. It's been so long for me, Kyle. I'd probably be like the stutterer. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like somebody would be happy if you came that quickly. They'd be like, wow, I'm amazing. Yeah, I right. make you come in five seconds. <laughs> but just this, I think, will go down as one of the greatest acting performances. Like for me, it's like Sophie's Choice and Charlize Theron and Monster. I just, it is a haunting performance. I think that there is not one specific scene. It's just, you have such sympathy for everything that is going on in her life. And she truly is a victim who she is a murderer. And she, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, the victims of her murders uh, would disagree with that. And I'm sure this type of movie portraying her in this way makes people very angry. I'm sure it probably upset some people, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, presenting her story in that way, I think was very effective. And I just think Charlize Theron absolutely nailed it. And just the way that she carries herself as sort of this white trash Florida person hanging out in biker bars and the way that she can defend herself and the way that she, it's just so, I feel like I'm watching a real person. I'm not watching an actor. And I think that's why this movie stands out because like we said, she's not playing Michael Myers, the wicked witch of the West. This is a real person. And I think a lot of serial killers, not that I know any, hopefully are actual human beings. And so it showed us that depth. Mm -hmm. I think when you said Michael Myers, I think you meant Michael Keaton. (laughs) I meant the Halloween. Do, 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 do. Oh, Michael Myers. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Of course. Okay. I was like picturing Austin Powers. Well, that too. Well, I may see a serial killer. I don't know. That Austin Powers. <laughs> Similar teeth to Charlize in this movie. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, oh, but do you, did you have like any specific moment that was like your, oh, oh, I will say this. Okay. I do have one specific moment that haunts my dreams. And I always think of when I think of this movie, it's whenever that man puts down on the plastic and he's going to murder her and she fights back. Oh yeah. That, that scene scares the fucking shit out of me. And every time I think of this scene, I think of like, this happens. Yes. Like people get murdered. And like, this is so fucking terrifying to think that this could actually happen. And then when he rapes her with that, like, um, thing that you use to pump up a tire. Oh my fucking God. Oh yeah. Oh my fucking God. And when she shoots him, you're like good. And the way that she's screaming at him and you're just like that to me, that's one of those, like, I think I'm going to fast forward through this because it's just so upsetting to watch. It was the opposite of the stuttering feeling. Total opposite. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, uh, that moment for sure stands out. But I, there was a couple funny moments, like one where she's like crying about being a hooker is her only God given talent. And she's tried to get into other professions and she's just not good at anything else. I was like, <laughs> well, you know, we can't all be doctors and lawyers. Maybe she's onto something. Oh, well, sense of comedy as like a, a, on a, we'll, we'll end on a lighter note. The line, whenever she's at the uh, lawyer's office and the guy is like, oh, like spring break is over. And now you decide that you want to work as a lawyer. And then she, and then he's like, Leslie, can you come in here? And then when she's leaving, she's like, fuck you, man. You don't know me. And then she's like, fuck you, Leslie. That (laughs) line was actually ad libbed. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It wasn't in the script. And they were like, that's amazing. Keep that. (laughs) There was a quote, maybe you know who said this line, uh, because I didn't write it down. But it said, I think maybe like a voiceover at the end. She goes, a lot of people have had hard lives, but still move toward the light. Otherwise, we'd all be hookers and drug addicts because somebody yelled at us or we had a mean mom. Yeah, I was like, that's oh a good God. lesson. I think a lot of people need to uh, hear, you know, yep. we all have hardships. You got to keep pushing. 
in a way, but I also think that there are, it's circumstance. Of, right? yeah, of course, like, of course. Yeah. But, um, but this, um, so, oh, uh, also, honorable mention to the soundtrack, amazing soundtrack in this oh, movie, Crimson and Clover, REO Speedwagon, get out of here. I know. And the, the like, yeah, <laughs> like I fucking love that song. So good. Oh, Another amazing moment, and then I think that we do need to wrap this up, but it was the breakdown at the bus station when it all catches up with her. And she knows the gravity because she killed that guy that wasn't a John, and he was just, like, trying to actually help her, but then she found his gun, and or she, yeah. he found her gun, and then she had to kill him, and she realized that she killed an innocent man because as far as she was concerned, all Johns are rapists, and so she didn't really care. But when she killed the innocent man, the whole everything just came crashing down on her and just the scene at the bus station. Oh. It was like you felt the gravity of the moment and just anyway. Okay. I think it's time you okay for us to pick who we think should have won the Oscar. Now you are my guest, so that means that you will go first of who you think should have won. So please oh, just do the honor. This is so hard. Uh, it is a hard year. I think the Oscar should have gone to Naomi Watts and 21 Grams. Oh my God. Okay. I can totally see why, but like, why, why did you pick uh, Naomi Watts? Okay. So for me, this was between Charlize and Naomi. I picked Naomi because as amazing of a job, I think Charlize did. I loved the hills and valleys that Naomi gave us the emotional roller coaster she took us on. Like I said, it's not easy to make me cry in a movie. And uh, that hospital scene was was real tearjerker for me. So she brought me to all these different places, Naomi. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Um, thank you. Okay, so um, I think that the Oscar should have gone to... Charlize Theron in Monster. I... Just, this is a haunting performance. I have seen this movie a million times. I will see it a million times again. I feel like when you have, um, it's almost like Jessica Lange and Francis having a solid shot at winning. And then Mer then you have a Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. And it's like, of course, you can't compete with the Sophie's Choice. It's It's one of those years. But in this particular year, Naomi Watts was... Oh my God. He's, I think that was probably her best performance to date. Um, the impossible hard second, but just, I think it was so amazing. And, and Diane Keaton, again, giving an yeah. amazing rom-com performance. Keisha Castle Hughes, also amazing. But then you have Charlize Theron and Monster. And it was not only the fact that she nailed the character, she nailed the mannerisms, she nailed the voice, she nailed like the thanks man and shit and I'll blow you if you want. And the way that she blends into a biker bar, the physicality, the way that you have sympathy for her character, the emotional depth that she brought to such heavy subject matter. You believe that she killed somebody. You believe that she had remorse, but you also believe that she was a victim and she believed that she was a victim. There was not one moment in this movie where I doubted at all what she was going through or how she felt. And I think that Charlize Theron just fucking nailed it. And it was just one of her best. I think it's one of the best performances ever. And I personally give it to Charlize Theron. You know what? She had the biggest transformation, that's for sure. And I don't want anybody listening to think I would want to take it away from Charlize. She deserved it. Yeah. I just felt like for the purposes of this program, Kyle, I should choose something different. So I went with Naomi, okay? I hope we I can still it. be friends. <laughs> 
I absolutely love it. Okay, thank you so much, <laughs> Jesse Reynolds, uh, for being on this podcast. We'll definitely have to have you back again. Where can people find you on social media? Thank you. This was so fun. I'm all over social media. My handle is if you seek Jesse, like the Britney song, if you seek Amy. But my name's not Amy, it's Jesse. If you seek Jesse on all platforms and yeah, listen to my radio show if you want. 1043 Fresh Radio. Call us anytime. Oh, I love it. Okay, well, thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.